Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Yes. What an amazing week. Again, thank you to all of the volunteers and everyone who helped make that happen. What an incredible week. And it was so fun to hear every day. Titus, this is his first year serving down there. And uh, I'm not sure if he wants to ever have children after working at Mega Sports Camp. But there was a difference that was made in the lives of all of the kids. So thank you. Well, if I haven't met you yet here in the building and online, my name is Mayel. I'm married to Pastor Nate. And today I get to preach the Word of God to you today. And I'm excited about that. We're going to be reading in Romans 10. And I've asked my friend Lydia... If you haven't met Lydia, you need to meet her. She's amazing. Uh, She's going to read Romans 10 for us. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. Mm -hmm. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Mm -hmm. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. 
Father God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. God, and we thank you, Father, for the word you will give us today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts will be open to receive, Lord, the truth that you will preach through Pastor Mael, Lord God, and that the fire, God, will fall upon us from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and the word would pierce our hearts like a sword into our hearts, Jesus, and the truth would set us free. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lydia. Well, I have to admit, I hit the jackpot of all chapters within Romans. When I looked at what I got to preach about, I was so excited because this chapter in Romans is so rich with truth and clarity about what it means to be saved. How can you be saved? That if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess it with your mouth, you will be what? You will be saved. Paul then goes on to talk about this phrase that many of us have heard, if we've been in church, we've heard this phrase, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful the feet. And I have to be honest with you, when I first heard this phrase when I was a teenager, I thought that is really weird. How beautiful the feet. And the reason being is because I think feet are gross. Anybody else? <laughs> Yeah, feet are like just kind of gross to me. So when I first read that, I thought, what in the world is Paul talking about? Is he talking about like how they trimmed their nails? You know, like there's no icky germs on the feet. Like what does it mean to have beautiful feet? I just really don't think feet are beautiful. In fact, there's a point of tension in my marriage with Pastor Nate surrounding feet. And I, I asked him if I could share it. He gave me permission. So um, the truth is, is Pastor Nate is amazing and he will rub my feet every day. He does, he rubs my feet every day. But I refuse to rub his feet. <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't know, I love you, but I cannot do it. Sometimes he'll put his foot up on my, I'm like, I, that's why we bought a foot massager so I wouldn't have to rub your feet. I know, it's not fair, it's an area I need to work on. I'm not currently working on it, but I need to be. <laughs> How beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. And some of you are much more advanced theologically than I am, so you already know what it means. But it's taken me a long time to truly comprehend what this passage is saying. And what Paul is talking about, he's talking, it has nothing to do with the appearance of feet, but it has everything to do with the spiritual meaning behind it. You see, earlier it says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Then it talks about how beautiful the feet that bring good news. Your, your feet won't go where your mind doesn't tell it to go. You can't, you, you, your mind and your heart can't go this direction and your feet go that direction. So what it's saying is how beautiful the surrendered life of a follower of Jesus that would be willing to lay down their life and go to bring the good news to others. That's what this passage is talking about. And in fact, this isn't the only time that this phrase is used. In Isaiah, it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation. How beautiful the feet. How beautiful the feet. Paul then goes on to describe this 
Really, he asks this series of questions that we as believers, we have to wrestle with. And it starts in verse 14. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This passage we have to wrestle with because what Paul is talking about in this series of questions, he's talking about evangelism. He's talking about evangelism. And you and I, once we confess that we believe in Jesus, that Jesus is our Lord, we then now are a part of Jesus's mission. And my big idea this morning is this, your purpose in life is to partner with Jesus's mission. Your purpose in life is to partner with Jesus's mission. I get asked all the time as a pastor, what's my purpose in life? I'm not sure what my purpose is. Well, I'm here today to clarify it for you. Your purpose is to partner with Jesus's mission. It's that simple. How you do it, it'll look different for every person, but all of us have the same call. It's to partner with Jesus's mission. And what was Jesus's mission? Jesus's mission was to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. In Matthew 28, 19, he gives us the great commission. Co, meaning that he's with us on this mission. He gives us the Holy Spirit to do it. But it says to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What are we to do? We are to carry the good news about Jesus to a hopeless world around us. That is what we're called to do. That's Jesus's mission. Our purpose is simple and it's clear. That's what we're called to partner with. Now, when Paul talks about these questions, as I was preparing this week, it, it got me thinking about the different methods of evangelism. Now, there's several different methods of evangelism, and some of you have probably been a part of some of these, but you know, I've done the door-to-door -door evangelism. Anybody else done the door-to-door -door evangelism? I've also done the, the street mini ministry of evangelism where you go down and you know, you start a conversation and ask them, if you were to die tomorrow, do you know where you would go? I've, I've done uh, ministry here in the U.S. I've done ministry outside of the U.S. There's a lot of different forms. I've passed out tracts. But really what we're called to do is to evangelize, spread the gospel. But we have to ask ourselves, what's the best method? How do we effectively bring the good news? When Pastor Nate and I first got married, he was hired as a youth pastor and I worked for free for the church, but then I got a side job because I, I needed to make some income. And so I was a preschool teacher. Believe it or not, I was a preschool teacher. Yes, Katie. And I worked in a school very much like Hilltop. And you gotta know this about me. I, I am a preacher. I love to tell people about Jesus. And so I made it my mission that my four-year-old class would all be saved. That was my mission. And um, I had all intensity about this. And, uh, you know, just because it was a Christian preschool did not mean that every child in the classroom was a Christian. And so I, the whole year, I kept, I turned our circle time into altar ministry. <laughs> and I remember this one day, Katie's laughing because I'm not, I'm not kidding. Am I kidding, Nate? No, no. <laughs> it's like, okay, so these kids are sitting and we're reading the Bible. And we were talking about Jesus. And I thought, this is the moment. 
And so I said, does anybody wanna ask Jesus into their heart? You know, and every single one of them raised their hand, like 100% revival in my four-year-old classroom, right? I was so excited. And so they raised their hand and I, I led them in a prayer. And all of a sudden I hear this wailing, weeping in the back. And I'm like, wow, God's really touching that little boy. Just move forward. And all of a sudden he goes, I don't wanna go to heaven. And I said, what? Was my preaching not convincing enough for you? He said, no, I don't wanna go to heaven. If I go to heaven now, then I can't see my grandpa when he picks me up. (laughs) And that was the moment where I thought, wow, I gotta work on my strategy for evangelizing to four-year-olds because this poor four-year-old was traumatized. So then I had to kind of undo what I had done. And, and, you know, it really started me thinking, what's effective? How do I share the good news in a way that's inviting and leads to transformation, not bawling their eyes out in fear? The little boy was okay. We had a good chat afterwards. Just want everyone to know that. But I think truly the best example that we have to look at to learn about how to effectively evangelize, how to effectively go and share this good news. So we can have beautiful feet. I won't touch your feet, but beautiful feet is Jesus. And I was thinking if Jesus were up here giving a class on evangelism 101, what would Jesus say about how to reach people for Jesus? And I think the best testimony of that is looking at Jesus's life throughout the scriptures. And so today I have two points. My first point has three sub points. <laughs> uh, but, so you really get five points, but it's really two points. That's confusing. But here's the deal. I'm really excited about this because as we dive into this, I think we're gonna learn some very powerful truths that are gonna empower us to walk boldly, to walk boldly with this good news to our community around us. And the first thing that Jesus did is Jesus led with his life, not just with his words. And that's something that I think all of us can learn when, if we're gonna be effective to share the good news of Jesus so that people can find Jesus, is that we have to lead with our life, not just with our words. If there's any disconnection between what you say and what you do, what happens? Your message, your message isn't valid in the eyes of those who are hearing and watching you. It's confusing. What Jesus said and what he did was an imperfect alignment. Jesus talked about prayer and what did he do? He went away to be with the Father. Jesus talked about forgiveness and what did Jesus do? Jesus forgave. Jesus talked about having faith and belief. What did Jesus model? Faith and belief. Jesus talks about uh, overcoming temptation and what did Jesus do? He overcame temptation. So if you look at Jesus's life, one of the key factors of evangelizing to a lost and broken world is to make sure that what you do and what you say are in alignment. And there's a few aspects of this leading your life that we see from Jesus that I think are key in evangelism. So point 1A would be this, is to be approachable. Be approachable. Jesus was approachable. Think about it. Everywhere Jesus went, crowds of people would follow him. Crowds of people would surround him. Crowds of people. Now, we're not just talking about the religious people. We're talking about people who were demon-possessed. We're talking about people who were living a life of sin. They were attracted to Jesus. Why? Jesus 
was approachable. Jesus was humble. Jesus had this amazing ability to make outsiders feel like they belonged. And in Matthew 19, 14, Jesus is teaching and these little children start to run up to him. And the disciples are trying to push them away. And what does Jesus say? Jesus rebukes him and he says, no, let the little children come to me. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm approachable. I'm approachable that no matter where you're at in your journey, you can come to Jesus. And we as his followers, we need to have that same heart that no matter where we are, that people know they can approach us. And I think in the church today, this is the sad part. I heard a, a pastor talking about this, that he was inviting someone to church. And this person said, oh, I could never step foot in a church. I'm not good enough to fit in a church. I don't, I don't, I don't look a certain way. I haven't acted a certain way. And he said it just bothered him. And you know what? That bugs me. Because you know what we need to be? We need to be the place where people know I'm in trouble. I'm going to run to PCC because I know people are going to point me to Jesus there. So instead of standing like this... This is not approachability. This is approachability. And everywhere Jesus went, his arms were like this, welcoming and open, welcoming and open. I love this picture of Jesus because I think the, the truth of why Jesus was so approachable, and it's an area for all of us to grow in, is this. Jesus had compassion. When you have compassion for others, do you know what happens? Your approachability increases because you care for people. People can tell if you really care. And if you really care, you're gonna grow in your approachability. In Matthew 9:36, Jesus had been with his disciples and they had been ministering and preaching all over. They were tired and they decided to go across the lake to get some rest. Well, when they get to the other side, what do they find? They find crowds of people there. And you know, instead of getting annoyed Instead of getting irritated, like, didn't you hear, I need a break? No, it says that Jesus was filled with compassion on them. He was filled with compassion. And then what did he do? He met every need that they, ha that they had. We have to grow in our approachability. And in order to grow in our approachability, we have to allow God to expand our heart to have his love for his people. When I was in high school, my senior year, I was ASB president, and you know, it was quite a journey. I don't have time to tell the whole story about high school, but my first two years, I hid. I tried not to let anybody know who I was or that I was a Christian. And then I had a crazy, awesome encounter with God where he filled me with purpose, and I knew my purpose was to save my school. So my last two years, I did everything I could. I got, in every, I got involved in everything I could to point people to Jesus. So my senior year, I was ASB president, and everyone knew that I was a Christian. It was my goal to save my school. If you were to ask me, Michael, what, what are you excited about? I'm like, my whole school's gonna get saved. Like literally, you know, like the four-year-old classroom, that's the same mindset I had about my school. And uh, I did everything I could to show the love of God to every person around me. But there was this one boy in my school that I really struggled to show love to. In fact, I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but every time I would see him, I would go in the opposite direction. And the reality was, being ASB president, I oversaw all of the groups in the school. This boy hated Christians. He professed, he, he hated Christians, he hated me. Uh, he was in charge of the LGBTQ club at our school. We 
had very different belief systems about what life should look like, how we should live our life. So there was friction there, but he also, he verbally hated me and I was, I was verbal about my Christianity, but I was unapproachable. So there was no bridge between me and God because I was like this. Actually, I was more like this. <laughs> and every single day he would come to school, he would paint his face white and then he'd paint black teardrops down his face. And to be honest, I was frightened of him because I didn't know what he was gonna do. And during that year, some person had this great idea to bring in this group called Challenge Days. That was our leadership, it was my idea. <laughs> they, had, they brought in Challenge Days, and Challenge Days was this group of people that came in and they tried to build unity within the group, within the school. So they would take different kids from different backgrounds, different social statuses, different ages, to try and bring unity amongst the grades, to try and uh, eliminate bullying, and it was an awesome program. But I got there and the teachers put us in different groups. So guess whose group I was in? And I said, no way, God. Nope, I'm gonna pull my ASB president card and say, I can't be in that group. I think there's another group that really needs me. And the Lord convicted me right there. And he said, you are unapproachable. You are not showing him my love. And I, and I, and I felt so convicted. And I said, God, help me. I said, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of him. And he said, then ask me what I see. I said, so, okay, God, show me what you see in this young man. So we got in the group and throughout the week we were talking about our different stories. We were talking about, you know, we shared bits and pieces of our life and what I found out from this young man broke my heart. He came from an abusive home. He'd been raised in church. He'd been bullied and made fun of and hated by the church. So he hated Christians because he felt hated by them. He was bullied every day at school and made fun of. I had no idea. And he said the reason he painted teardrops on his face every day was because he wanted people to know how bad he was hurting. So while this young man was crying out for help, me and my arrogance would go the complete opposite way because I was afraid of him. And the Lord began, you know what happened in that time, in that one week span? God expanded my heart to a point where I no longer was afraid of this young man, I just wanted to give him a hug. Because I thought, oh my gosh, you, you don't even know how much God loves you. And at the very last day, they had an open mic. And they said, if anybody wants to come up and share anything that they learned, we're opening up the mic. And you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you get that pounding on your chest? Pastor Rick talked about it a little bit earlier. It's like, am I having a heart attack or is that you, Lord? I don't know. It just, it just kept pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. And I'm like, I'm not going up there, God. You've already expanded my heart. Isn't this enough growth for one week? And he said, no, I want you to go up and publicly apologize to him. I said, okay. I said, God, I will do that. But you gotta break the chains of bondage on this guy, on this young man. So I went up, I grabbed the microphone and I looked at him and I said his name and I said, I am so sorry that I've made fun of you, that I've judged you, that I've not protected you, and that even though you and I have different lifestyles, that's no excuse for me to not show you love and kindness. And I said, I believe God has a plan for your life and I want you to know I'm behind you. And if anybody messes with you, they gotta go through me first. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He stood up, he ran to me, and had tears streaming down his face. So the fake tears turned into real tears. And you know what I could see? For the first time, I could actually see who he really was. 
because the paint, the paint was gone. That's the power of approachability. What happened right there, God broke pride in me and broke bondage over him. Friends, this is what we're called to. We are called to have open arms to a world that is hurting, that desperately need the message of God's love. We have to grow in our approachability. It's easy to stay on the sidelines in fear, but we aren't called to stand on the sidelines in fear and judgment. We're called to get in the game and be a part of the journey with these people and love them and show them the love of Christ by having opening arms towards them. You know the coolest part of the story? For the rest of the year, every single day at lunch, I'd go find him and I'd sit with his buddies. People stopped messing with him because they knew if they messed with him, they'd have to come through me. And I, kinda, I had a reputation, people were afraid of me because I'd, I'd pray over him. <laughs> he didn't want to mess with that. And you know, he actually came to church. I don't know where he's at, but I am so grateful that God got a hold of me and said, get over yourself because this is my kid. That's the kind of love we need to have for the community around us. That's the kind of love we need to have so that we can expand our ability to be approachable. Everywhere Jesus went, he was approachable. We have to lead with our life, not just our words. 1B, that was 1A. 1B, grown up pushability. B would be practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Now, when I say practice hospitality, many of you are thinking in your mind right now, great, I have to entertain, I have to like invite them over, I have to cook for them. I don't know if I can do that. That's, that is one form of entertainment, but biblical entertaining and hospitality is very different. The word hospitality in the Greek is actually philoxenia, philoxenia, and it means love the stranger. I'm gonna say that again so we can all let it sink in. Hospitality in the Greek, the original word that was used, hospitality here, what Jesus intended, was not saying you have to have a bunch of people over to your house and entertain them with delicious food. What it's saying is that I am calling you to love the stranger. That's what hospitality is. Love the stranger. My friends, are you practicing hospitality? Are you loving the stranger? Love the stranger. Everywhere Jesus went, he reached out and loved the stranger. He would pull people out and show them the love of God. He reached out. Everywhere Jesus went, he would reach out and show hospitality. One of my favorite examples of this is found in Luke 19. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, many of you know that. Some of you might know the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Anybody? Okay. Um, I, I learned that song growing up. That's really all I know about Zacchaeus up until this week. <laughs> but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And tax collectors during that day were despised because they were Jews that would take money from Jews to give to the Romans. So they were hated. They were unliked by their own community. And Zacchaeus heard that this Jesus was coming to his town. And being the approachable person that Jesus was, news had spread everywhere about this man named Jesus. And Zacchaeus was curious. You see, there are people in our community that are curious about who this Jesus is. They're just waiting 
and they're waiting and they need us to reach out with hospitality to invite them in. And that's what Jesus did. It says that Jesus passed by. Zacchaeus was up in a sycamore tree hiding and Jesus spots him. And it says, when Jesus reached the spot, the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus was friends of sinners. Jesus was friends of sinners. Write that down in your notes. Jesus was friends with sinners. Just because you are friends, you are kind, you show love to those that are in sin, does not mean you are affirming their lifestyle. What you're doing is you're reaching out with love and inviting them into relationship with Jesus, which will transform them. Zacchaeus was transformed through relationship with Jesus. I have been transformed through relationship with Jesus. You have been and will be transformed through relationship with Jesus. Our community that is lost, that is hurting, will be transformed through relationship with Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? We are not called to ostracize and and, and make people feel like outcasts. No, we are to practice hospitality and reach out like Jesus and invite them into relationship with him. We get to be an extension of God's love for other people, to other people. Some people, they, that this relationship that we're inviting them into with us is opportunity for us to point them back to Jesus. Are you practicing hospitality? Are you approachable? The third thing is this, love actively. Jesus loved actively. Well, that's actually one C, okay? <laughs> one A, B, C. Love actively. Jesus showed love everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, Jesus touched people. He didn't just talk about loving them, he actively showed them love. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were hurting, he met them in their need. When they needed healing, Jesus healed them. When they were, when they were mourning and grieving, Jesus wept with them. Jesus loved actively. He didn't just talk about God's love. He showed them God's love. We are called to show them God's love. You know what loving actively looks like? When you're walking around or you meet someone or you talk to somebody and they're talking about their need, don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. Lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them right there. Just call on heaven for them right there. Love actively. If someone is hungry, buy them food. It's not that complicated, but what it takes is a surrendered heart to say, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to point people to you. Jesus loved actively. I love this verse that uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, and it's 1 Corinthians 9, and it's the message version, which I view the message as a really great commentary, but I love how Paul explained this. He says, even though... I am free of demands and expectations of everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. The gospel is for 
everyone. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this all because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I want to be in on it. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be a part of it. You are called to partner with Jesus' mission. You play a vital part in this mission. Rich Wilkerson says it brilliantly. He says, if you care about someone's eternity, show them by serving their reality. If you care about someone's eternity, show them by serving their reality. I'm so grateful that we have a heavenly father who loved us so much that in our moment of need, in our desperation, he saw us and he met us. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. God saw us from heaven and knew we needed to be saved. I'm so grateful that God's love does not end. The Bible describes it as an everlasting love. God's love is active. God's love is active. And no matter what you might be facing today, I wanna tell you this, you can count on God. You can count on God. He sees you and he's for you. In 1988, there was this massive earthquake in Armenia. And this earthquake killed about 25,000 people. It was a horrible earthquake. And on the morning of that earthquake, a father had dropped his son off at school and he had told him these words. He said, Armand, no matter what you might be going through, I'll always be there for you if you need me. Dropped his son off at school, went home, the earthquake happened. So he rushed back to his son's school and to his horror, he had found that the school had been flattened by this earthquake. Well, this dad, remembering what he had told his son, a commitment he had made that no matter what happens, I'll always be there for you if you need me. So he rushed towards the rubble, carefully calculating out where his son's classroom would have been. He went to that exact place in the rubble and he began to remove all of the rocks. He began to remove all of the rubble, piece by piece. He did this for eight hours straight, removing every piece of rubble. And there were other parents there that were unwilling to help, but they were sitting there wailing. And they looked at him after eight hours and they said, there's no hope, give up, Armand is dead. And he looked at them and he said, no, I, I promised my son that no matter what happened, I would be there for him if he needed me. And so the father kept digging and the father kept digging, kept removing rubble. 10 hours go by, 12 hours go by, 16 hours go by. The police and the fire department come and they tell him that you're creating this scene, it's over, he's gone, leave this to us. And he says, no, I promised my son that no matter what, if he ever needed me, I'd be there for him. So he kept digging, 20 hours go by, 24 hours go by, and he starts to yell his son's name, Armand, no response. 26 hours go by, 30 hours go by, Armand, Armand, nothing, 
32 hours, 34 hours, 38 hours went by. The father had not stopped digging, not stopped removing rubble. And he yells again in desperation, Armand! And faintly he hears this man, Dad, 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 is that you? I knew it, I knew you'd come. And, and Armand, he begins to yell it to his dad, Dad, we're down here, and his dad continues to remove the rubble, every single part of it, until he finds his son. And he embraces him. And when he embraces his son, his, his son grabs him and he says, Dad, I knew you'd come for me. You promised. You said you'd always be there for me. And I told my friends that, that if you were coming for me, then they would be saved too. Fourteen kids were saved that day. All because a dad was faithful to his promise, all because a son believed what his dad would say. Friends, that's the same exact love that God has for us. That when we felt like we were hopeless, God reached down and he does not give up on his kids. When he says he will be there for you, he will be there for you. And you know what, we need to, we need to be like Armand, telling everyone around us, you know what? My dad, my heavenly father, he says he's got my back. And if he's got my back, he's got your back too. This is what we're called to. It's an act of love. This picture of Armand is so beautiful because that's the kind of love God has for us. That's the kind of love God has for Portland. This rubble, this picture of this dad in the rubble is so powerful to me because what it says is it's the love of a father that does not give up. It's the same kind of love that we are called to have for our city. When we first moved here, I can't tell you how many times I heard over and over again, there's no hope for Portland. Portland's too far gone. Well, I'm here to tell you today, that's exactly why Nate and I came to Portland, is because we believe that it's not gone. We believe that there is hope for Portland. And even though there are parts of Portland that might be covered in rubble, we know that our God has brought us out of the pit and he can bring Portland out of the pit too. We believe that. We are standing on that. Love with an active love. And worship team, you can go ahead and come. Jesus loved with an active love. Our Heavenly Father has an active love for us. My second point, or my fifth point, however you want to count, is this. That as we partner with Jesus on his mission, that's our purpose. We lead with our, our lives, not just our words, by being approachable, by practicing hospitality, by loving actively. And the final thought, my second point or fifth point is this, to lean in to the right here, right now. Lean in to the right here, right now. Everywhere Jesus went, he was present. Jesus leaned into the right here, right now. You know, when he met Zacchaeus, he wasn't actually on his way to Jericho where Zacchaeus was. He was just passing through. But what happened? Jesus leaned into the right here, right now. And he reached out to a man that desperately needed a touch from him. What happened with the woman at the well? The woman at the well, that was not Jesus' intended location to end. He was just passing through. But Jesus leaned into the right here, right now, because there was a woman that desperately needed his touch. You know, you and I as believers, we're really just passing through. 
because our eternity is in heaven. If you have confessed with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're going to heaven and that's good news. That is good news. But we're just passing through. And I think the enemy wants us to believe that, you know, we're, we're, we won't be effective and we can't actually share the gospel or bring the good news until, you know, I have this degree or I have this money or I'm this old or, you know, I, I, I have more confidence or I blah, 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 blah. And the truth is that you are called. Your mission starts right now, right here, right now. No matter what age you are, no matter your background, that if you confess Jesus as Lord, your moment is right here, right now. We are sending you today. And if you're here today or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus, today is your day of salvation. Right here, right now. You know, we have adopted a really unhealthy mindset in the church world today. And I'm not just talking about PCC, I'm talking about the global church. And it's become this mentality of just come and see. Come and see. And yes, coming is a part of it. Gathering is a part of it. But really the church's mandate is to gather and then go. It's to gather and then go. Gather and then go. That's what we're called to. We don't just stay stuck in a sea mentality. I truly believe that the greatest hope for our community is the believers living in it. Because we have the hope that they desperately need. And we are called to go. If you would stand to your feet right now. This message is so compelling for everyone in the room. Because no matter where you're at in your journey with Jesus, there's something for all of us today. And if you're here in the room or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus, what are you waiting for? Today is your day, right here, right now. We aren't promised tomorrow but we have today. And so I wanna give you the opportunity that if you don't know Jesus, that you can ask him into your heart right here, right now. And some of you, I felt really clear when we were worshiping that some of you, you've asked Jesus into your heart in the past, but you have been living a life opposite of what he's called you to live. And today is your day of rededication. Today's the day of rededicating your life to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm all in. Not just my toe, not just my finger, no, no, no. My head, my heart, my mouth, my body is all going in the same direction. And that's you, Jesus. So I'm gonna to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to just lift your hand if you wanna ask Jesus into your heart. And the reason I'm doing this is because I feel a sense of urgency from the Lord. That today is a day of salvation. And this is the message is don't wait to put your faith in Him. You don't have to figure everything out to ask Jesus into your heart. You ask Jesus into your heart and then He helps you figure everything out. So if you're here, you wanna ask Jesus into your heart, I just want you to lift your hand. And online, we're looking for those hand emojis. Jesus is the savior of the world. He's the answer to everything that you need. So if you wanna ask Jesus into your heart, I'm gonna to count to three. One, don't wait. Two, don't wait another day. Three, if you wanna ask Jesus in your heart, just raise your hand. If you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up high, I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you all repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, 
Forgive me of my sins. Come in and be my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. Holy Spirit, guide me. Help me to live on mission with Jesus. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you ask Jesus into your heart, that's the best decision you will ever make. And I want a chance to pray with you. My husband would love a, a chance to pray with you. So during this last song, we're gonna be up front. We would love to pray with you. Come find us. We wanna pray with you and we have a gift for you. But my final call is this. The verse says in, in Romans 10, it says, how can they go unless they are sent? Today is a day of commissioning. And God is wanting men and women who are willing to take a stand and partner with Him and His mission. And so today, this is an active participation because we are gonna commission you to go out and then gather. We're gonna gather and go, gather and go. And you know what, as we gather and we go, the church will be filled. Because you know what we're, we're called to do? We're called to practice hospitality and be approachable and love actively. And so today is a day of commissioning. And so we're gonna sing this song, but before we do, I'm gonna give a, an opportunity for you to come forward. And yes, I'm asking you to move, if you're able to move to come forward, because here's why. It's not for me, it's for you. Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, like I'm on, I'm on board but then walk out of here and do nothing different. But sometimes that extra step out of your seat to the front, you know what it's saying? It's saying, Satan, you have no authority over me. See, I'm bold in my faith. I'm strong in my faith. I'm not gonna let anything hold me back from partnering with the mission of God. And so if you are saying, yes, I'm all in, I wanna be sent, I wanna be commissioned, would you just come forward? Because we're gonna pray of you, just come forward. Come forward right now. We're gonna commission you. If you're unable, but you wanna come forward, raise your hand. We'll see that hand. You wanna be sent out, come forward. This is ascending. This is a, I am on mission with Jesus. Come forward, come forward. I know it's uncomfortable. It's not fun to put yourself out there. Think about having to preach on Sundays. I get it. This is a commissioning and what Jesus is saying, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go with courage and authority and power? Are you willing to be my hands and feet to a lost and dying world? Right here, right now. Right here, right now. Say that with me. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. So Jesus, you see every person that is here. God, I thank you for their yes to you. I thank you for those that are unable to get out of their seat, but their hand is raised. God, you see them. God, would you honor their boldness for coming forward? God, I pray that you would, you would empower them as they go out about their week, God, that they would grow in their capacity to love others and love others well. God, would you show them favor in their, in their areas of influence, in their jobs, in their homes, in their schools, in the grocery store. God, would you show them favor? God, would you inconvenience them and send people that desperately need a touch from you? And God, give us your heart and your eyes to be approachable, to not miss a moment to be, but to be right here, right now, available for you, available to be used by you. God, we are your servants. 
And we know, Jesus, that you are coming back. You are coming back. We don't know the day or the hour, but you are coming back. And Jesus, we wanna take as many people with us as possible because we believe. We believe in eternity with you, Jesus. So God, would you give us favor? And Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to fill them with boldness right now. I come against the lies of the enemy that they're not good enough. I come against fear and timidity that they won't know what to say. God, I thank you that you will give them the words to say. And God, I pray as we go out that you would give us your heart for other people. God, may we see others the way you see them, God. I thank you for this commission, Jesus, that when you send us, you don't send us alone. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and give us boldness. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I commission every single person in this room that has taken a step of faith or lifted their hand in faith, that they are commissioned to go with boldness, that they are on mission, that they are your ambassadors, your evangelists for this day, this hour, right here in Portland and the cities beyond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna sing a worship song, and I really believe this is just a holy moment for you to get the Father's heart for the people around you. Ask God, say, God, what do you have to say about my community? God, who, who do I need to reach out to with love? And allow the Lord to infuse your heart with His love for His people. Let's worship together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at cctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.